Well, good afternoon. This is Mark Tallman uh, coming to you from KASB with Leah Rothschild. No, <laughs> Leah Flighter, Scott Rothschild. Okay, let's just say after spending the night dozing between That's refreshing right. the Secretary of State webpage and Twitter feeds uh, right. through through most of the evening, this is not going to be the smoothest production you've probably seen. But we do believe we are bringing you our, our best analysis of, of where we are right now. And of course, we may as well start by saying that the biggest issue of all, uh, probably for many people looking at the governor's race, as I'm sure viewers know at this point, uh, Secretary of State Kolbach is leading by less than 200 votes with the count as it currently stands. However, what we know is that there are provisional ballots, there are mail-in ballots, there will all certainly be a, a recount. Uh, nonetheless, that's the, uh, that's the lead that it exists right now. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the other statewide races. We're mostly going to focus on possible implications for the legislature and what we know, a little bit about the State Board of Education and some federal issues. As always, if you have questions for any of us, uh, you can either ask us questions through our YouTube feed or you can social media. We'll all try to keep our, our best uh, our best look at that. So, uh, guys, why don't we again start with, uh, start with the governor's race. Uh, thoughts? What do we know at this point? What do we expect to happen? Well, it kind of goes to prove the uh, the adage: don't you know if uh, if you think your vote doesn't count, you better think again. I mean, 191 votes over over the entire state—that is an incredibly close margin. Well, and I guess the one thing we do know for sure is that Laura Kelly is the Democratic. Candidate. Correct. Yeah, God. yeah don't true. don't minimize that at all. And, and and of course, we can't forget that we also are expecting a third. Uh, Greg Orman will also be in the race. So uh, uh, the, the, that that's out there. But of course. We don't yet have an absolute sense of the gubernatorial candidate. We've been looking a little bit at what may happen. Uh, uh, Scott, any thoughts or Leah that uh, you're kind of seeing this morning as how things might unfold? Well, I mean, uh, the, the uh, Secretary Kobach just did have a news conference, and uh, he, uh, he said in his news conference uh, the vote could change, that, and uh, it could end up being uh, uh, Jeff Collier, which is totally possible. Right. Uh, and uh, I think I've seen the figure in 2014. Well, they have to count the provisional ballots. Right. And in 2014, there were over 6,000 ballots. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about such a small margin here that things certainly could change. And mail-in ballots had to be received by yesterday. So if had it was to be postmarked. postmarked pardon right. me, postmarked so. yesterday. So if it had the Tuesday postmark on it, those will be counted as well. So, so. that may be a few days yet before we see that. Uh, it has obviously been a, a dramatic last couple of days, as I'm sure everyone knows. President Trump, uh, at the, kind of at the last minute on, on Monday, uh, did endorse uh, Secretary Kolbach. Uh, this comes after polls kind of being up and down and people arguing over the validity of the <laughs> polls. Right. But most of the polling suggests it would be very close. Uh, and in fact, it was. And so uh, we'll, be, we'll be monitoring this, as I'm sure all, all, all of you will. Uh, so Republican side unknown. I think it's probably significant that Laura Kelly, in her acceptance speech last night, really talked about wanting to be the education governor. As many of you may know, uh, her running mate, Lynn Rogers, was a longtime former former uh, school board member in Wichita. Um, and, and so I think there's no question that when this shakes out, uh, education uh, is going to be a, an absolutely criti critical issue, however the candidates emerge. So we'll keep you posted on that. Final thoughts on the governor? 
Well, and you mentioned Laura Kelly, and I think she performed better than probably what a lot of people thought. I believe she got more votes than if you combined all her opponents right. together. So, uh, you know, she comes out with a lot of lot of uh, momentum. And it is, you know, it's significant that Kansas, in the not so distant past, has elected Democrat right. women as Democratic governors right. of the state is is uh, something of a tradition over the last several decades. Uh, and I think, you know, generally, I don't again, I don't think there's any secret that uh, there are those who think that Secretary Kolbach is polarizing enough figure that he may be a, a, a weaker candidate. Again, we'll have to see. That's why this election is going to be uh, so fascinating. It is significant, I think, just the other thing that maybe a lot of national attention was being played to is the, an Ohio special election mm-hmm. where it right. appears the Republican has won, but also by a razor-thin margin, right. and that could also change. So a lot of, a lot of close uh, uh, issues here. We'll just mention uh, where we stand on some of the other statewide races. Remember, they're all on the ballot. Uh, Scott Schwab, who is uh, a current uh, uh, House member that did not run again, won a crowded Republican race, will will face Democrat Brian McClendon. Uh, Of course, incumbent Attorney General Derek Schmidt does have a Democratic opponent in Sarah Swain. Uh, Republican State Treasurer Jake LaTurner will face Marcy Francisco, who is a state senator uh, herself, has run for that race before. Um, Insurance Commissioner's race, uh, Vicki Schmidt. Uh, won the Republican nomination. She will face Democrat Nathaniel McLaughlin. Uh, Of course, that would also take out a... uh uh, an incumbent senator, and as I think everyone knows, with an exception we'll, we'll talk about in just a minute, most senators were not on the ballot. That means that uh, if they lost, they can keep in their seat, but if they win, that seat has to be filled, and right. so potentially there could be some further uh, turnover in the Senate. The only race on the ballot is for an unexpired term, uh, Richard Hildebrand, who was appointed incumbent Republican in the southeast corner of the state, um, uh, who uh, was appointed when Jake LaTurner was appointed to be state treasurer, he also has Democratic opposition, and so those will all be general election races. Anything I'm missing maybe on the statewide side? Want to also, of course, Rob Gilligan is also doing our engineering work. Join in if there's anything you're thinking of. And our live studio audience of Dr. John Heim will also be helping from time to time. Forgetting anything at the statewide level? I don't think so. Let's keep moving. Okay, well, we want to now turn and probably spend most of our time on on analyzing uh, what happened with the Kansas House. And we, we spoke a little bit together this morning. You're probably seeing a lot of, of things about moderates and conservatives, and is the House going to be more one way or the other? It's always important to remember there is no, you don't file to run as a moderate. Right. There isn't an official uh, designation. There are some moderates who would probably proudly wear that badge as a Republican moderate. There are others that may sometimes vote that way. There are some Republicans who consider themselves very conservative but are not necessarily conservative on all things at all times. And so when we are talking about it today, we'll probably more be just indicating uh, a a moderate is someone who in the past or has given indication they would be more likely to support more funding for schools. They would be more likely to oppose a constitutional amendment limiting the court's review power. Uh, They may be more generally supportive or trustworthy of maybe the education system uh, as a whole. Uh, Conservatives, on the other hand, tend to, to be more 
more interested in, in cutting taxes, in amending the con- Constitution. Two things which I understand Secretary Kohlbach said at the, the top of his, uh, his agenda today in his press conference. Um, and in general, I think uh, self-ascribed conservatives tend to also be more skeptical of the edu- public education system. Uh, they would not say, I'm sure, opposed to it, but, but skeptical and more open to funding options like private school vouchers. So we're going to probably slip into the label of calling people moderates or not, but it's really important to understand these are very flexible and fluid terms in some way. All we can do at this point is kind of give you uh, a general sense. So, you know, the main thing that it simply comes down to, it looks at this point like consistent moderates probably have lost around five to six seats. It will depend a little bit on what some of the newly elected members, where they might fit. Um, it will depend the fact that one race has a single vote margin, and right. so that is also very possible to change. And it's very important to understand that much can happen in the general election. In other words, cases where perhaps a more conservative person won in a primary, they still, in some cases, have to face uh, Democrats. Likewise, uh, many Democrats are facing uh, Republican challenges, and so those numbers uh, can change as well. But perhaps the top line level is that there were, and I apologize not having really clearly summarized this, um, about about six pretty consistently moderate House members that were defeated in general by more conservative, at least endorsed by other groups. One uh, very conservative member of the House, uh, he would not oppose being called that, uh, John Whitmer from Wichita, um, was the only kind of consistent conservative who lost a primary to someone who, again, I think would would identify as as moderate. So uh, on those numbers alone, we would expect that the House caucus would would, would be somewhat more conservative uh, by all the ways we've defined that. Mark, I think ahead, it's also please. worth noting uh, we heard uh, and saw some influence uh, over the past session of a uh, sort of an informal coalition of moderate women who really kind of worked to drive some change when they felt that there were, there were roadblocks mm-hmm. and sticking points, and some of those women uh, who tend to support public education did lose their races as well. And that was uh, Patty Markley, Joy Coaston, Mary Martha Good, Anita Judd Jenkins. So it will be an interesting spin there on, on how the caucus does its decision-making right. and how that, that might operate moving forward. Fewer women moderates, although some of those women were uh, defeated by other women, so at least some of the gender balance will not be lost, but... Uh, definitely a change in the makeup of the caucus. Absolutely. And another thing we noticed is that there were about 14 uh, open seats because individuals did not run for re-election, either retiring or running for higher office. Uh, there were a couple of those, and in both cases, these were were more moderate members, both very much identified with education that that were elected two years ago. Uh, Shelley Brim in kind right. of the, the, the Johnson County area uh, and Roger Elliott former school board member from Andover in the Wichita area, they both, um, well, they both chose not to run. Right. It appears that their replacements, uh, at least at least before any opposition uh, in the fall, uh, will be, uh, look to be more conservative. But there were a couple of cases where uh, conservative open seats may have gone to somewhat more moderate uh, people. And so, again, it, it's going to take a while. And one of the things that I think we'll stress as part of this uh, 
many of you may know locally more than we do. We certainly welcome your insights. And, and obviously, KASB, we make an effort to meet all new legislators before the beginning of the legislation, legislature if we can. Some candidates have come to the meetings we've held around the state. Uh, if you're meeting with candidates in your area and you'd like someone from KASB to be a part of that, we would love to be a part of that as well as we get to know some of these individuals. I think it's also worth noting, as I said, that there are cases where you might have individuals who may be predominantly conservative or, or more moderate, but not necessarily consistently. And in some cases, there are even candidates who, who really didn't get many endorsements, and so it's a little hard to know where they come down. Uh, House Education Chair Clay Aron generally voted fairly conservative, but he voted for the tax increase. He, he helped uh, with increased funding for education. He is stepping down. He was out of the legislature, came back for two terms. He retired. He's being replaced by a former school board member, Bill Panbacker, um, who really didn't get any endorsements. A appears to be someone who probably follow very much in that vein, but hasn't really established a, a clear track record yet. So you've got some cases like that as well. Um, there were a number of uh, incumbents that also had primary challenges. Uh, we've kind of pulled out the more interesting ones, but it is worth noting there were a number of fairly moderates who, for example, supported the tax increase, and I think, as we all know, drew a lot of criticism from some organizations about that. But a number of those individuals were reelected as well, so uh, it's a little bit of a, of a mixed race. It's just there were, I think, more moderates were, were challenged in a serious way this time around, just as that was true of conservatives uh, two years ago. Um, when we're looking at it now, if, if my numbers are right, there is just uh, about 30 to 35, and, and, I, and I'm probably not counting exactly right, Republicans now that have no opposition at this point uh, from, from, a, from a major party. Uh, there's about, oh, 25, 24, 25 Democrats uh, in the same position. So, you know, you're approaching half of the legislature has basically been decided. As we know, in many cases, even where there is someone of the other party on the ballot, uh, often they will not be close. But I think there are enough that will be close uh, that this is going to, you know, We'll be paying attention to see what further changes there could be in the makeup of the legislature. Uh, guys, any thoughts on that? Well, I think one thing you have to think about is with this loss of moderates, you have to think about leadership mm -hmm. and uh, how that might affect uh, the House. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely critical. Um, uh, the the uh, House leadership last time uh, definitely took a, a somewhat more moderate turn. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that was evidenced by the willingness to repeal some of the tax cuts uh, with a two-thirds vote, is I think important to realize mm -hmm. in some ways how much, how, how far the House had been willing to go uh, in that case. But yes, it is not only a question of where the votes will be when they assemble to caucus for uh, speaker, for majority leader, for, for all of those positions, but that will trickle down to who is appointed to chair committees right. can be absolutely critical. And the makeup committees, not only the who who is on them, but the party balance could also change. At, at this point, we don't know if the numbers will be any different, if the Republicans or Democrats would make 
make gains. The the party balance could change a little bit on those. But as is always true within the Kansas legislature, you really have at least kind of a three-way grouping between Democrats, moderate Republicans, more conservative Republicans. And I think many people would argue that really conservative Republicans are kind of divided between you know the Truth Caucus members, is how they often style themselves, and others that are pretty conservative in many ways. But, you know, again, they're, they're the ones who may have voted for the tax increase. Right. They may have voted for, for more school funding than they might normally be comfortable with, uh, but they did. So uh, it's, it's that mixture that we'll, we'll have to wait to see on. Um, some of the things that I think we will be watching that is going to be so critical besides the leadership races, you know, we, we can't forget that we still don't have a school finance resolution, uh, although the Supreme Court accepted the legislature's action for this year. Uh, we had no special session. The court nonetheless said that what the legislature did, their approximately $500 million plan over five years, they basically said, that's fine, but there's going to be inflation over those five years, and you really have to account for that. And so I think the issue is going to be, will the the legislature, um, because again, the, leg the legislature has to do something or we will be right back in conflict with the court. So will the legislature um, agree to a formula that the court would accept that almost invariably is going to require some additional money beyond that? That in turn will be a question of what's the state financial situation look like in terms of the ability to come up with other dollars within existing revenues or not. And then again, if a more conservative legislature wants to come back and look at tax cuts again, the, what impact that will have on the available dollars for education funding. If that produces a, uh, a, a, a conflict again with the court, uh, what that may mean in terms of court orders, remedies, school shutdowns we've talked about before, and, and finally, of course, constitutional amendment. So talk a little bit about what that could mean, guys, on terms of the constitutional amendment. Well, when you were talking about that, I was thinking uh, a, a lot as the, the determination of how conservative the legislature gets could, could be impacted by who's governor. Yes. And if Laura Kelly's governor or if Greg Orman's governor or uh, Jeff Collier or... Um, uh, Secretary Kobach. I mean, uh, that it, depending on which one of those is in the governor's mansion uh, could determine how far legislators are willing to go one way or the other. Both in terms of what they may push for in support yeah. and what they would not accept. Um, and so it, it, what, what we've spent a lot of time in the last few years uh, dealing with is how much money is available for certain things until or unless the tax tax cut was was largely rolled back, but not entirely. The question may be now um, whether a uh, the governor will call for and accept more money, or would veto increases in spending in order to have dollars available for something else. Uh, it's also important to understand, and this also gets into some of those choices. Um, we are we expect the legislature to come back and look again at some issues of school safety. Uh, some of the things they did were kind of one time changes. They directed the state board to develop 
develop some some standards that local school districts have to follow. But um, uh, Secretary Kolbach, again, was a strong supporter of arming teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, Governor Collier was much more let locals decide. And I don't specifically remember because it wasn't really discussed in the Senate. My guess is that Laura Kelly would probably be much more skeptical about that, which tends to be opposed uh, by, by uh, teachers groups and others pretty specifically that it shouldn't be allowed at all. So you kind of have everyone should do it to it should be local control to no one should do it. And all of that could certainly play out uh, as we look forward going ahead. Uh, the other thing I think there's no question we'll be back talking about is uh, uh, Governor Collier and the legislature this year seemed pretty accepting that the Kansans can vision, the new accreditation framework, post-secondary, those sorts of things uh, were an acceptable accountability framework. Um, we could be back again in a situation where there would be more calls for different kinds of accountability, different sets of consequences, um, and more expansion of educational options, which could take funding outside of the public school system. Um, so again, th- those are the kind of things that a different legislature and different executive branch leadership uh, could, uh, could, could result in. Am I, guys, am I missing some things in that area? Well, I think, you know, Governor Collier, of course, signed into law the the school finance plan. I believe Senator Kelly voted for it. And I think uh, uh, Secretary Kobach's uh, position has been uh, to uh, fight the court. And as I say, not not only on the issue of the court, but just one of the questions will be, do schools need more money? And one of the things that Secretary Kobach talked about in the campaign is a, a hard requirement of spending money in the classroom or on instruction uh, that would have significant increases across school district budget if that was literally to be enforced. So that's another thing I think that we'll have to uh, have to wait and see on. Uh, oh, and I, I guess it should also be noted, Secretary Kolbach has been a, the, the strongest opponent to in-state tuition right. uh, for undocumented right. students, mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty small number of students, but that's a visible controversial issue. And KSB's position has been to support in-state tuition because of our position of encur- encouraging students to to get educated and that having it harder to get into post-secondary education tends to work against that. Well, let's talk a little bit about the State Board of Education, then maybe some things on Congress, and finally some final advice to our members. Um, I, I have the notes in front of me. Leah, so do you. What are we looking at at the uh, as far as the State Board is concerned? Well, Jim Porter, who is the chair now, is... Uh is unopposed, so he will be rejoining the board uh, in in the new session as a, as a successful incumbent. Janet Waugh is an incumbent. She's a Democrat. She faces uh, Republican Michael Powell. Uh, and then in the open seats on the state board, John Bacon is not running again. Uh, Michelle Dombrowski uh, defeated Jason Wimbold. She, though, that was the Republican primary. And so uh, Ms. Dombrowski will face off against uh, the Democrat, Ruth Gott. Off. Uh, Ken Willard is did not run for re-election. Uh, on the Republican side, Ben Jones defeated Robert DeAndrea, and uh, Ben Jones will face uh, the Democrat James Hannon in that state board district. And uh, Sally Cobble 
in Western Kansas, uh, did not run for re-election, and uh, Gene Clifford, who many of you may know from the Garden City uh, area, is uh, Board unopposed. Of Ed- Board of Education. Board of Education. She is unopposed to replace Sally Cobble on the state board. So at this point, we are down to two races, one in kind of the Olathe, um, southern Johnson County, some right. of those counties uh, in John Bacon's area, uh, and then Ken Willard's old seat, uh, uh, basically is kind of in the central part of the state, Hutchison, uh, right. McPherson, uh, uh, kind of running through there. I honestly don't remember all those lines. Uh, so, but you, pardon? Emporia. Emporia. Oh, thank you, Rob. Emporia. The, Emporia is you're, you're kind of the cultural capital of that area, yes. aren't you? Yes, that's that's what our, our friend Rob says. Uh, okay, Scott. Um, Sorry, question oh. from a listener asking what the dynamics of the governor's race, say a Kobach versus a Collier or Laura Kelly, how does that affect the relationship with the state board? Well, that's you know that's you a good question. question. The question was, uh, can we maybe speculate a little bit of how different uh, governors, <laughs> different successful governors, uh, might have the relationship with the state board? Anyone want to take a crack at that? Well, I don't know. That's that is a good question. I mean, I think as you mentioned, uh, uh, Governor Collier has uh, embraced the Kansans can uh, vision and. Uh, I believe uh, Senator Kelly has uh, good relations with the state board, and and uh, you know uh, Secretary Kobach has definitely come out with positions that I think would be uh, maybe counter to some of the state board uh, feelings. So, I, uh, biggest difference being that this state board, at least a majority, has been supportive of substantially increased funding, right. which, which they think is part of the equation to achieving that vision. Again, Secretary Kobach has tended to be um, uh, opposed to that additional funding, or or at minimum. Uh, is is, uh, is interested in cutting taxes and some of the consequences that should come out of that. Greg Orman, not having been in an elected position recently, I don't know whether he's really established a position there, so that'll be something that, that we'll have to watch. And, and I think clearly, as all of you are, are having the opportunity to get information or to talk with candidates or their surrogates, that may be a great question to bring up. Is to And I think something we'll want to focus on, where, where do you stand? Would just note for everyone, if you haven't seen it yet, many of of the candidates for governor, but unfortunately not Chris Kobach, did fill out a questionnaire that we put together. We'll, we'll keep those up um, uh, for uh, Senator Kelly. And uh, did uh, did uh, Greg Orman? Yeah, I think I'm he did as well. Right yeah, so we can, maybe, we, maybe we've got how quickly we forget because uh, they were, uh, we really appreciate people who did those. And uh, Governor Collier did as well. So depending on how that is resolved, um, we have that and would, of course, uh, certainly extend uh, if Chris Kobach wins to, to go ahead and, and, and fill us out so people can know. Uh, where he stands. Uh, thanks, Robin. Again, if you do have any questions, please get them to us. Um, Scott, do you want to pull yourself away from that and talk a little bit about the <laughs> congressional races? And Well, I think uh, what's interesting is that uh, on the national level, uh, Democrats need 23 seats to uh, win control of Congress. And so if, if people are talking about a blue wave coming, 23 seats is what would be needed. So Two of those could be in Kansas, and those that's that's what we're going to hear about for the next, uh, between now and November. Uh, there are two very highly uh, contested races in Kansas. Uh, District 2, which is the uh, Topeka, Lawrence, uh, from the top of Kansas to the bottom of Kansas, eastern Kansas, uh, which is going to feature uh, Democrat Paul Davis versus Republican Steve Watkins. This is for an open seat that was held by Lynn Jenkins for a number of years. And, of course, Paul Davis ran for governor against Brownback and came very close to winning. 
and he is running again in this district. And Steve Watkins is kind of a newcomer. Uh, he um, he kind of burst on the scene. Uh, his uh, his basically his campaign has been mostly funded by his father, and uh, he won a very crowded Republican field. Twenty six percent of the vote, I think. Yeah, the, uh, and 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 won a, won a very crowded uh, field. And uh, I think there were four or five uh, uh, legislative candidates in that field, and so uh, yeah. he he is the new face in that. Uh, in that uh, uh, race. Uh, district 3, which is the uh, Kansas City area district, the Johnson County, uh, uh, Kevin Yoder is the incumbent, has uh, been there a number of turn, terms. And the Democrats, another pretty crowded field, are, uh, elected uh, Sharice Davids. Uh, it was a six-way primary, and uh, if she were to win, she would make some history. She is a uh, Native American. She's the first openly LGBT person uh, who would represent Kansas uh, at either the federal or state level if she were to win. And uh, she's an amateur mixed martial arts artist so uh, uh, or fighter. And so, uh, so those are two districts that on the national political scene, uh, political observers have said are basically toss-up districts because Hillary Clinton did very well in District 3 against Donald Trump, and uh, when Paul Davis was running for governor, he did very well in that district. So those are two major... And, um, it, and it's probably worth noting that in the uh, the fourth district, well, there'll be a rematch right. of uh, with Democrat uh, James Thompson, who... Uh, uh, will face the winner of the Ron Estes versus Ron Estes primary. I think Ron Estes won. Ron Estes did win that, and it turned out to be the incumbent Ron Estes, who actually had beat uh, James Thompson in what was an early special election right. that was closer than many people had expected, yeah, but that, not ultimately all that close. And I, So I don't think experts are yet putting this in quite the category yeah. um, that uh, that they are expecting. I don't mean to neglect that two. one, but yeah, but if, you know, in a, in a wave election, you know, that could become a very close selection. And of course, in District 1, uh, Representative Roger Marshall is finishing up his first term, and uh, he uh, won his primary very easily, and he's in a, he's in a rematch, too, with uh, Alan LaPolice, who ran against him last time, I believe, as an independent, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that is but right. now yeah. he's a Democrat. So, uh, so you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, national attention, a lot of, uh, you're going to hear a lot of ads that mention the name Nancy Pelosi. And uh, so uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, attention. And Donald Trump, I'm guessing, will also come up quite a bit. And so uh, those will be uh, two very interesting races, I think, in Kansas. And I think from an education viewpoint, um, you know, it's been interesting, uh, you know, more and more Republicans running for Congress around the country are are embracing the president. At least to this point, uh, most of the Trump administration's policies in education have not fared very well yet. He's proposed cuts in education funding that haven't really materialized, but the administration is talking about, of course, Secretary of State DeVos is a big proponent of expanding school choice and private school funding. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. Um, uh, there's also been calls to really eliminate Title II funding, which is basically support for for teacher training and those kinds of programs. And it's probably also noteworthy we've followed very closely possible cuts in other programs like Medicare, Medicaid that could trickle down to the school level. So I think it's just, it's it's fair to say that uh, if the Democrats were to take control of Congress with or without Kansas's help, and I, I'm guessing this is true of their candidates, we would be much less likely to see 
pushes in that direction. Democrats have generally been more supportive of increased funding at the federal level. Um, and while, as we say, the Republican Congress has not yet been as supportive of some of those changes, um, you know, if, if they retain control coming out of this, um, it, it, that, 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 of course, could change as well as the Trump administration continues. Leah, I know you work a lot with federal issues. Any other th- thoughts you would have? Well, kind of a side note, uh, there was some buzz when uh, Bernie Sanders and Alexandria, uh, I'm not going to... Ocasio-Cortez, they visited Kansas uh, to uh, make some endorsements, and it it didn't, although it was was pretty exciting for Kansans to have national sort of uh, Democratic stars uh, in the state, uh, it did not seem to move the needle in the way that they they perhaps had hoped that it might, but uh, makes for an interesting race uh, nonetheless. Absolutely. Okay, well, last thing I think we want to talk about, and again, reminding you that we'll be happy to take your questions, uh, is just kind of talk a little bit about what you, as local school leaders and others, should be doing right now. Leah, you have some thoughts? Yeah, and, you know, some of, as we mentioned earlier, some of the candidates may not have been endorsed by very many or any groups that perhaps you are used to to uh, consulting uh, to help you make your decisions. And so this is a time, if you have not already done so, get to know those candidates, even if... Uh, Perhaps you you aren't quite sure that they're going to be in your corner. You should always try to meet them, at least establish a relationship, uh, open those lines of communication. You want to make sure that that those candidates and your voters in your community know and understand what your school districts are doing with the increased funding that you received and what you're doing to kind of redesign schools for student success. We're going to be asking folks to help us out with some of that information. But, you know, if you've hired more counselors, you know, let them know that. If you are bringing back programs that were lost to budget cuts, you know, you need to be sure you're letting letting your candidates and your community members know. If you're putting programs into place to address at-risk students or better address at-risk populations, make sure they know that. Make sure that you can set yourself up as a source of reliable, factual information as those candidates are searching to garner more support and kind of build their portfolio of support back in their district. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think sometimes people are uh, can be a little reluctant to approach people, maybe particularly if they don't know them. But mm-hmm. Now's the time to do that. And I, I guess what I always really stress is you, you can't assume that yeah. they know what you hope they know or, yes. what, or what you yeah. know. As, <laughs> as a superintendent, as, as a district leader, as a school board member, um, you simply know more about your district than anyone else in the community. And it's important to remember you are the best source of information on that. We get a lot of questions from people about, well, frankly, f- people will call us and say, well, I've talked to a candidate and, and they want to know X, Y, Z, or right. or we're worried about newspaper ads and we're worried about brochures yes. and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, the only response to that is to be is to be willing to sit down, take those questions. We can attempt to respond from That's the state right. level, and we do, but often the particulars of your district, you're the only one that, that can explain that. And so I think now, and actually we're going to be sending some information out in the next day or two, uh, really encouraging you as you're all in the process 
process of adopting your budgets mm-hmm. now of what you need to be kind of highlighting and focusing on to talk about what we're doing to move our education system forward, the role resources have played, and the changes that we're all looking at to redesign our system to make it better and more responsive to individual students. And as always, we would simply say, if you can, if there's anything we can do, if you're having a meeting you want us to come to one-on-one privately, if you want to do something in your community, if you want to do something with uh, with local forums or something like that, um, if you need just help responding to facts about public education, one of the things we've done this summer is, as we've gotten questions from people, we've we've turned them into blogs and, and podcasts and, and videos, and so keep the questions coming, because if you're hearing it, others no doubt are as well. So we just want to stress, uh, whatever we can do to help, help you, we want to do, but we can't do it without you. Your local candidate, your local legislators are always going to be most responsive to their voters and constituents. That's you, not, not us at the state level. So we've got to work with you. Well, guys, uh, what am I missing? And, uh, and ask if our audience has any other questions as well. Nothing on the studio line? <laughs> Nothing from Dr. Heim? Guys, anything? I think... After being up all night, uh, yeah, I think we're we're, we're, uh, we're ready to wind yeah. down. I, I, we, of course, we can wind down. I think we probably need to uh, to really give kudos to our fantastic Kansas Press Corps and the State House Absolutely. folks who have been up all night monitoring this and following everything uh, that's going on. And they do they do a tremendous job. We we appreciate that, and and we hope we can do our part to share information as well. Doctor, idea when this all might be resolved. <laughs> Question was: Any idea when this all might be resolved? Well, the general election is November um, uh, six. Uh, you know, there there have been. I think we've heard news accounts today that it 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 could be a matter of weeks. Um, just because when you're talking, I mean, I think the question is going to be the potential scope of a recount, and then I think what it'll come down to. We all we talk about Florida. 18 years ago? That can't be right. Um, oh, my God. Um, uh, it was a simpler time. Yeah, I mean, it was. But, uh, but, ju- but just, uh, you know, again, what, you know, what, what, I think what we need to just acknowledge at the governor's level, we have an incumbent governor with the resources of that office, supported by the National Governors Association, I think it's fair to say kind of the mainstream party, going against the state's chief elections officer, supported by the president. <laughs> uh, and so, um, uh, you know, this this is going to be nothing, I'm quite confident, nothing in recent Nothing in any of our memories at the state level is probably going to compare to what this uh, what this may be like, um, and so yeah, uh, buckle up. Uh, yeah, buckle up, and it ought to be fascinating. And uh, and and expect uh, one of the things that I, I'm looking forward to because I listen to a lot a lot of national political stuff is maybe people will learn how to pronounce um, you know Kobach, uh, Kobach <laughs> and and Collier um, and and uh, you know Kansas, Kansas. and and, uh, and and not I. Someone, I guess, I saw a tweet referred to the the second district as a liberal bastion. Yeah, liberal bastion um, in Kansas. Uh, I, I guess in Kansas. Yeah, the New York Times is that. So we'll poke a little fun at the national media because so so this this may be something where uh, people will learn a lot more. So be on your best behavior, Kansas. Speaking of ironies, a, a man who uh, campaigned 
with a 50 caliber machine gun, but did not get the NRA endorsement. That's true. That, uh, that, that, uh, Dr. I was just noting that that uh, that Chris Kolbach, who, who campaigned with a machine gun, did not get the NRA endorsement. He, well, he did get some other. Uh, it wasn't a real one, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. Been Cor- real correct. One. Correct. <laughs> correct. I was making a point. Yeah. Rob, did you have something? You know, and one of the factors, I, I would say. Many of our major size counties, Johnson County, Shawnee County, Cedric County, have all, and, and many others too, have all invested in new technology this year. This is the first election was run on. Not a lot of problems seen in Cedric County, not a lot of problems seen in Shawnee County, major problems seen in Johnson County where a majority of the votes are cast in the election. And there's a national conversation about the safety and security mm-hmm. of technology. Correct. That's going to become a conversation because of the process last night here. That's right. Uh, so, yes, I, I think we're going to learn and see a lot. So it should be exciting and, as always, challenging times. Um, we will be back when we have news to share, uh, either about these kind of developments or other things in the world of education. We don't, we don't have a set time. As many of you know, we will continue to periodically do video presentations and podcasts on issues as they emerge. So those we've not really been doing at a, live at a particular time, but, but to make them available. And we actually spent yesterday afternoon preparing for our 10 regional meetings that begin at the end of September. So you will very soon be getting information on those. And so I guess we'll just conclude by saying we hope to see many of you in person at various meetings around the state uh, this fall. And, of course, don't forget that our annual convention will be within a month of the election and about a month from the time the legislative session begins. And so we'll have a lot of great information there on political developments, advocacy, and just education in local schools leadership. So for all of us, thank you so much. If there are questions you have that you didn't get to at this time, send them to any of us. We'll get back to you. And thanks to my colleagues, uh, we're all going to take a nap.